Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father, and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. If you are here tonight, and you are, that's unless you're listening to this over iTunes later, you are catching us at a very interesting time. We're talking about open heart, a relationship series. We're really going for it. The, the posture I take during this time is to really, to really be on the, on the attack spiritually, so to speak. I think it's very easy for a church, for all of us in, 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 all, in our lives, to to go through the motions, another month at church, yes, luckily we, we, we had enough finances to pay the bills, let's do another month, let's do another month, okay, and then at one stage you might come into a rhythm of just, just, just keeping stuff as they are, let's not upset the, the, the apple cart, you know, and then when you hear of something like, ugh, something crazy that happens in your church, a massive sin someone committed or and then you just actually just you don't want to hear it you just want to put your head in the ground and just get through another month and we're trying to do the opposite okay we're trying to to shake ourselves and say let's attack the very important things head on face to face let's talk about it i'm telling you what i i don't always enjoy talking about this when i was younger i didn't mind but as i'm as i'm getting older and more mature i'm I'm feeling the weight of this topic more and more. And I just know that I don't have the liberty not to talk about it. So uh, please also have grace with me. I'd rather, I'd rather maybe at some times not come across correct than not doing it at all. All right. So, so we, we're going for intimacy. And uh, if you have children in the meeting that should be at children's church, that's your cue. Uh, we are going to go for it. But if they are old enough to understand what I'm talking about, then it's better they hear. Because who's going to tell them? All right? Only thing I might be doing is starting a fire that you must handle at home. But that's also good, okay? You know, the very first, I'll tell you something. Um, the very first sex edu education I had was when... Uh, Grade eight classmate came with a pornography book to school. Let it not be so with our children. Who's going to teach them? What are they going to learn? What is the respect they're going to have for their mom after they've been educated by a fellow 11-year-old with, with a magazine where, where, where women or men you know, display their bodies? Um, so the church has to take this, to, this fight to the enemy. Do you agree with me? We have to do it. It's very important. So I want to talk tonight about intimacy and um, share some of the lessons I've learned. Let's, let's read. Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. We see that. We observe it in Scripture. This is God speaking over Adam and Eve. There's no other people there. There's no mother and father except God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. He says he shall leave his mother and his father. God knows 
they're going to reproduce. He was not caught off guard when they had sex, okay? It's like, oh, what they're doing here? You know, he knew it. He knew about it. He made it. He formed the bodily parts that way. And he caused it to be in such a way that a man and a woman would be attracted to one another. It's God's plan, okay? We see Jesus reciting the same scripture. He says, therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. We see Paul reciting that. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And that one flesh is talking about that intimate moment of, of, of being sexually intimate, as well as the spiritual process that goes with it, okay? Uh, it's important for us to know that God is for it. Very important. God is for intimacy. He is for the attraction you are experiencing in your marriage, or even if you're not married and you're starting to experience, acknowledge attraction, it's God-given, okay? It's not sinful to know, man, I want to marry. You know, man, I, I'd, I'd like to, to have a husband that loves me and kiss me. That's all right, okay? Um, it's from God. It's very important we know that. He loves it. Then uh, we see in Scripture... Uh, um, portions like this, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, Afrikaans say, your leaf like a boki. That's where we get it. A graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. That's the Bible, all right? Be intoxicated always in a love. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it, it, it just you, it's all right if you're into it. It's what Scripture is saying. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? Why? And embrace the bosom of an adulteress. All right? Wisdom is knowing it in advance. Most people will mess up like this, they asked, they said, why was I so stupid? Okay, because the enemy always over-promise before the sin and then leaves you after. Isn't that right? So listen to God. I mean, it's thousands of years ago already helping us. But it's very important because we only hear the wrong. We see, you know, we see in, 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 in for example, a magazine like this person, you know, caught cheating on his wife. But we never see... You know, a married couple enjoying their sex life as God intended it to be. You know, we don't hear it. I mean, it doesn't make sense maybe. But it's important for us to know. Let a breast fill you at all times with the line. Be intoxicated always in love. It is a good thing to be in love. It is a good thing to be attracted and to experience love intoxication. All right. <laughs> Do you get fined for that? No, okay, that's good. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, we see the following. We say, we see, do not deprive one another okay, of being intimate in the marriage. It's uh, the, the context there. Except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, what Scripture teaches us, and it's actually quite a, a solid portion there, 1 Corinthians 7, is that marital intimacy is actually quite a massive weapon against the devil. It's, it's, it's very powerful. Um, I don't think 
Paul's heart in this is only, you know, make sure, you know, you, you, you have enough intimate time so that everyone, no one complains around the house. That's not what he's saying. It says, um, but come together again so that Satan may not tempt you, which means marital intimacy, engaging in, 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 in sexual intercourse as designed by God is very powerful. It actually helps you conquer some of the most dangerous temptations that might come your way. And so that's why the angels cheer. And I'm not saying this to be funny when married couples come together in intimacy because they say, that's why it was created. That's why it was created. Yes, that's it. That's the testimony of it. One of the few things that's a testimony to God's design, but that's not put on a public display. It's super powerful, but it's super exclusive. All right? doesn't mean a married couple may not talk and consult with another married couple and ask for help. But most things that God designed is for, is for a lamp not to be hidden, right? Whereas this part is to be hidden in a way. Does that make sense? Very powerful. Very powerful. Given from God. This is incredible. Right. It's gone. Niemand bloos so fairy. I'm just joking. Now, what I want to do is I just want to take us on a quick journey. Like, if as powerful and as beautiful and as great effect intimacy has on the spirit of a married couple, as a building as it is, so destructive it can be if allowed by the enemy to be tempted outside of the platform for which it was created. Okay? Listen again. As our building, as it can be, and as powerful spiritually, in a good sense, over the enemy, as a weapon it can even be in overcoming temptation and building a marriage into unity, sharing something with your wife that no one else shares with her, exclusivity, as dangerous it is on the outside when those missiles comes back at you and hurt your, you and those around you. Now, I just want to land on that for a moment just to show, to, to show this for us. And I, and I want to say this straight up, and we say it every time we talk about this. Um, marital intimacy is not only physical. It is deeply spiritual. It's deeply spiritual. And you know that. When you talk to two people, one person have been assaulted when they were a child in their home. They were maybe beaten. You know, maybe even with lines, blue lines with a bat or with a hand, father or a mother that was abusive. And you talk with someone who was sexually abused. See the difference. Massive. People will come over being physically abused much quicker than being sexually abused. Go and ask someone out there that works with broken people like that. The scars lay there for years. This morning, someone spoke to me. said it took her 30 years. Something happened in her, in her home. 30 years to connect with her mom again after this. Deeply spiritual. And it just speaks about the incredible depth of what happens when two people engage in this intimacy that God designed. Now, read with me. Now, Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. 
And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. He fell in love with his half-sister, actually. David was the father of both. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill of his sister Tamar, because of his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, Oh, son of a king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? What is wrong with you? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed. Here's a plan. And pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister tomorrow come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight that I may eat it from her hand. That's what happens if you've got no plates in the kingdom. Okay? You eat, you eat from someone's hand. Imagine spaghetti. <laughs> Obviously, they're spitting metaphorically he wants her to feed him all right i'm sure they had utensils i guess so amnon lay down and pretended to be ill and when the king came to see him amnon said to the king please let my sister tomorrow come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that i may eat from her hand then david sent home tomorrow saying go to your brother amnon's house and prepare food for him so Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, where he was lying down, and she took dough, kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and baked cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, send everyone from me. Okay, that's a warning sign. Okay, like, all right, suddenly I want to be alone with this woman. Send everyone out. Okay. So everyone went out from him. And Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes that she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. But when she brought them near to eat, he took hold of her and said, come lie with me, my sister. She answered him, no, my brother, do not violate me for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold you, me from you. But he would not listen to her, and being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Okay? Then Amnon hated her. See that, see that change? Striking. He's sick with love for this woman. He takes her violently, and the Afrikaans says it straight, I darf a krach. Okay? The very next moment, they're still in that room. It's not a year later. It's not, you know, we have irreconcilable differences that developed. It's not, no, you've changed. This is, they're still in the room. But take note, because it's, it's a spiritual principle that's being elevated in the timeline. It's the very same thing that happens whenever marital intimacy gets on the outside. It's the same principle. Some of you have dealt with this. 
then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, get up and go. If you've ever heard these words from a man, you'll know how much it hurt. Right? And the other way around. But she said to him, now she pleads, no, my brother, for this is wrong in sending me away is greater, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. Now, we need to take these principles and see what's going on here. What is so beautiful and edifying is so destructive once we step out of the will of God. And I know it looks different in different situations, but see the principle. I'll tell you this. There is something that shifts in the heart of a man when he is sexually intimate with a woman that's not his wife. There's something that he was looking for. And maybe the, 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 initial, the initial emotions and the need he had was from God. And if he obeyed God or knew God, he could be patient, grow as a man and grow into it. But whatever he's looking for, he cannot find here. He cannot find it. And, and she believes if she loses more weight or looks more like that person, and he mentions a movie star, someone he likes, and you make your hair like that. It, it just never works, and it never will. Because ultimately, it cannot connect with what he needs. Because what he needs is deeply spiritual. All right? And the same for the women, because she liked the guy, and she thought of, you know, her original heart and, what she felt was from God and God stirred her. And she's like, man, I, I want to be there for someone. I want to be there for, for I want to be a wife one day. I want to have a husband. I want to have a family. And I want to make it nice to be around the house. And, and I want to serve them in a way, in a way where I prepare nice meals and I want to see them eat. And I want to make a beautiful home. You know, some of you have had those dreams. But now, once the intimacy gets here, the desire she had, had to be a lovely wife, it changes and she becomes manipulative. Who are you talking with on your phone? Give me your phone. Where have you been last night? No, you, I, you should give up playing golf. You should, you should come here where I can see you. And so everything gets upside down because it was never intended to be shared on a platform which is not secure. Okay? And that is the story, that's my testimony before I met Jesus. When I was in matric, I, I, I had a radical encounter with God. But before that, I, I had this desire. And I wouldn't say I grew up in a home where my parents neglected me. They, they really loved us. Um, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. And something in me wanted to be a man. And it took me to the place where I sought after um, sexual relationships with, with women. That, that's my story. That's where it took me before I knew Jesus. And I got into a relationship with, with a girl and, and we crossed sexual boundaries. And I experienced this. 
and God was already calling me. He was already calling my name and I didn't want to respond because I didn't want to let go of this relationship. At the same time, her parents is divorcing. So she's just holding on to me and I'm like, oh, I can't be mom and dad, but I can't go. And everything gets intertwined because you cannot be, you cannot fulfill the role of being an intimate partner without being a husband. It's not made that way. All right. And so I remember going to her home on weekends and, and we would sin. And as, I, and as I would drive home, I had a motorbike back then, I would cry. Late at night, 11 o'clock, I'd go back home to my parents' house. Pretend just to be a normal, a normal guy. But I would cry on the way home. As a tear, it was hot water. It came from my heart. I'm like, something is not right here. But I didn't know what I was into. I didn't know how to get out. And my heart just actually breaks for um, these children in high school. Because what I experienced in high school, the times are shifting. It's becoming earlier and earlier. And that's my own sin. I had to stand, I had to owe up for that. I had to work through that many years. God really purified me. But I had to own up and say, that's my sin. Sometimes I wonder if there, was, if, if there were many mentors that I had access to. Maybe my, my, my journey would be different. And I'm asking myself, who's there? for the children in high school because they're about to walk the same road I walked. It's a heartbreak journey. I would see how it would break the young girl's heart, but I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get out of it. You really get into bondage. And people that's been there know what, knows what I'm talking about. So I met God, then in matric, and then also the girl. And then four years later, um, in that four years, God started to build me. I went to university, met Carl. It's also worshiping. He was in my race. Gili, those who know, remembers Gili from Pochi. He was also in my race. And we would, we, would, we would really go for God there. And there God purified us during university. And we learned about bouncy eyes. Who knows bouncy eyes? Okay, so when you, you know, this is, this is bouncy eyes. So when it goes from winter to summer in Stellenbosch, and you see there's a girl coming and you, you just know there's, you see more skin that you should see. Then you must bounce your eyes, <laughs> you know. So we were walking like this in Stelis, all right, <laughs> all the guys. And we exercised as a spiritual discipline. I will not put my eyes where it should not belong. My eyes, I sh we made an effort to put our eyes into the word of God. And it's incredible. And all those men that fought for purity have the most beautiful wives today. Incredible children. And it's amazing to see the, the seeds that they sown being reaped. It's incredible. But it's years. Okay? Um, and then after four years, I met up with the same girl again, and we married. She's my wife. Okay? So that's, that's, that's our story. Um, but it could, it could have been worse, because now you're in, in high school, and, and you, you, you're engaging sexually, you're breaking your heart. And, and here's the thing. If, imagine, you, you can put it in, uh, whether it's a guy or the girl, and you think, mm, I'm not feeling great here. Something is not right. I'm feeling he doesn't love me, but he wants to be intimate with me. And he's like, she wants to manipulate me here because that's what happens. I think we both should try other people. And then they go on. Same story. And then they go on. But it will never work. You see, the problem is not the person. 
The problem is that incredible blessing that God has designed to be in marriage has been carried to the outside and it will never work. Are you with me? And we see this in Scripture. Now, in, in the New Testament, it actually echoes a lot what we see here. It says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute become one body with her? Some translations will say become one with her. Man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. And we see the same idea. But now this person is not the wife, right? But as it is written, the two will become one flesh. There they quote those verses. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So, um, I know that there's also, who of you have heard about soul ties? Hands up. Soul ties, who's heard about it? Now, there is also a place where, <laughs> it's what we call the soul tie gospel. You know, everything is a soul tie. Yeah, there's a soul tie. I've got a soul tie with knickknacks. I've got a soul tie with women. We've got a soul tie with us. Okay, and, and people can get it wrong. Everything is not a soul tie, but there is such a thing where people are joined together. David and Jonathan, right? God knitted their hearts together. A husband and a wife becomes one flesh. They are joined. Now, if we use, it's just a term soul tie. It's a nice way to just, Give it a name. When a husband and a wife become one, there's a soul tie that develops that should be there. It binds a husband to his wife. Right? And when they are intimate, this, this bond they share, where they're in a covenant, okay? They're not just in a relationship, they're in a covenant. Christ is in there as well. When they are intimate, that's one of the ways, not the only way, it's one of the ways in which they strengthen this bond they have with one another. So, a soul tie can be become one flesh with your wife, which is a good thing. You should not be cut off from your wife in a way. Are you with me? But now the issue is here, even though you're not bound to another person in high school or, or, or just a one-night stand, whatever, even though in your mind it's not a commitment, when you are intimate with someone, that bond is, is happening. That's what we see in Scripture. Now, for me, was it net fees next? I know what you're saying, but Scripture says even with a prostitute, okay, you become one flesh. There's a binding that takes place. Something binds to that person deep in your heart. Here's one thing that will maybe help you understand this. Who of you knows of a woman that gets abused by a man, but she just cannot go? Put up your hand. Why? It makes sense to you. Leave the man. He's beating you up. He's hurting you. He, the stuff he tells you when he's drunk, but she cannot go because you see she's, she's, she's bonded to him. Unless, unless that woman becomes born again and Jesus and gets bound to Christ and he helps her to separate that bond, which is possible, it will be very hard for her to exit that relationship. But sometimes these women get away and then they engage with the next abusive man, the next one, okay? Because the only solution there is Jesus that comes and heals that bond, all right? 
Um, I'll be honest with you guys, because that's what we are here for. When I, um, when I married Janae, I had no image in my mind left of how she looked without clothes. I could remember nothing. I was as washed as white as snow. And I could sense the purity in, in my heart. And when she, when she came down the aisle, um, you know, I, was just, I just cried. But a little girl, because God did a work and for four years prepared me and washed me. And people get mad at me because they come to me, they want me to marry them and they live together and they say, I won't do it unless you move out to repent and be healed because I'm not setting you up for failure. I've been around that block myself. I've been known in this town as the pastor who do not want to marry people. I'm sorry if you're one of them. I actually want to help people. I just want to help them because I understand this. I've been there in my life. Someone came this morning and said, what if, this is a good question, what if you were Tamar, okay, in this situation? What if you were, um, these things happen. A girl came into our race one night. She, her, her drink got spiked in another place before they came to, she came to our race. But what the, the she, she'd never been with a man before, but what the drug did is it made her, it caused her defenses to fall and she ended up in bed with a, with a man in our race that night. And she didn't know about it. The next morning when she woke up, she discovered that she's basically, she basically were raped. Okay? What if that happened to you? What does that mean in, in terms of soul ties? Is that soul tie there? Yes, it is. Have you sinned? No, you have not sinned. So you've got one less thing to work through. You don't have to go to God for forgiveness of sins, make restitution, go to parents and ask forgiveness. You have been sinned against, but in the world we live, God has put stuff in place and marital intimacy from the beginning, a sex was intended to bind two people and it's not going to change. Okay? So God will, God will level the scores one day. He'll give to each person what he, what he deserves. If Christ doesn't pay for that man, he's in trouble. But so to all of us, amen? So that girl, if she turns her heart to Jesus, will receive complete healing, but she will have to walk a road of healing. You cannot ignore what happened. I know that that's harsh. It's the reality. If someone comes in here, pulls a grenade, some of us will die. Are you with me? A Christian man proclaims the gospel in Pakistan, ends up in jail. What did he do, what did he do wrong in God's eye? Nothing. Okay, just be aware that we live in a world where we have to see God for healing because these things affect us. Okay, I know I'm talking straight, but we have to because I know you've got friends and you've got questions. So what you do, if this happened to a friend of you, you go and you love on that woman. You, you go and you love them. You, you surround them with love and you tell them about this because when in four years she gets married, and if she did not dealt with it, that thing's going to pop up. It happens. All right? So what you do is you love on her, you care for her, and you walk a journey of purity with her. You break bread. You say, Lord, we break every chain, every bond that formed, that the enemy intended to harm her. We say, we ask you for your purity to come right now. And God then gives a promise. Whatever the enemy intended for harm, he will intend for good. 
Okay. Right, Let, let's, let's finish tonight with three, three ideas. Um, tonight I'm long on explanation and I'm short on, on, on the answer. Okay, but as the month goes through, we will handle different things. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. The, the righteous died for the unrighteous. Now, if you've been in this position, and maybe you, you, you're ashamed right now, and I'm saying it again what we said last night. Listen to me. God is inviting you. He's not pushing you away. He's inviting you to him. All right, very important. First thing I want to say, Jesus, the pure one, the only pure one, died for each unrighteous sinner who would call on his name. This is just the gospel. We're applying it to sexual sin, but this is true for every sin. The gospel is a gospel. Are you with me? The only thing that's on the table tonight is, is, is sexual intimacy, which we are very frank about. But it's important that you know, because some of you, you you're walking around with a sense of not being not being uh, righteous, you feel dirty. I'm telling you that Jesus knows about it. That's why he died. So that if you come to him, he imparts or he imputes his righteousness onto you. Amen? Very important. When the Soldiers had crucified Jesus. They took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each one. Also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. It goes on to say the tunic, they did not rip apart, but as a unit, they cast lot for it. The idea is they took all his clothes, even his tunic. Now, who, uh, who, have, who has experienced like, like shame in their life. Not, not, I'm not asking you to put up your hand like for sexual stuff, please not. But who's experienced being ashamed? Just put up your hand. Who's been ashamed? Like, like you know, it's not a hot day, but the next moment, like, oh, you've had a sweet slant out, okay? The shame that comes with sexual sin is a lot deeper than most things you, you deal with. Some of you will, will, will agree with me. That's why it's so deeply hidden. What's so deeply hidden? People will do many things in public. They won't sin in public sexually because it's supposed to be hidden. You know, you know it and you don't want people to know what you're doing. And the shame when it comes out, you know, it is, it, it sometimes overcomes people and, and, and push them right into depression. But listen up. The one man that never sinned sexually, that should not feel shame, hangs without clothes in the public eye to be seen, exposed. There's not a lot of things that top that when it speaks to feeling and experiencing shame. The shame he felt in that moment when they look on his body, broken, bruised, exposed. There's a reason for that. Naked and shameful, the perfect Jesus died to cover every shame in your place. It's the gospel. 
It's the gospel. Tonight you can say to cover every sexual shame. If you, if you want to be specific, God is working there. What that means is as the soon as you turn your heart to God and you acknowledge, Lord, I was wrong. You stop defending yourself. You say, Lord, I realized I took what was meant to be here out here. That is why I'm a mess. Lord, I acknowledge it. And you are ashamed about it. You don't know what you're going to tell your husband one day. Some of you fear for the day. You have to be open. I'll tell you what, if he's a godly man, he knows this, and you grow as a disciple, he will not push you away. If he pushes you away, he's not your man. Because if he's honest, he's got his own shame to deal with. All right? But there's your hope. Jesus will come and lift the shame and give you boldness. And you will tell your story. You'll say, I am whiter than snow. Jesus did it. All right? Can I get one amen? Uh, there's 10. I like it. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemech sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's almost like Tamar. Send her out. Lock the door. Cut off. Standing on the outside. A moment ago I was on the inside. A moment ago it was good enough. Now I'm cast out. And I don't know if you've been on the receiving end of being cast away from someone or whether you were the one that, that, that chased them out. But what's very important to know is that Whatever break you experience in community, for example, if you were married and divorced because of this, you know what it feels like to be separated. And it's, it's a shameful and a hurtful thing. If you are single, sexual sin often causes separation between you and God. There's, there's nothing quite like it. Men will know. When we sin in this way, it's very hard to come to church. It's very hard. Because you, I mean, you, you can't now lift your hands because you know, you know what, I, I better just stay away because there's a shame here on my shoulders. So you get separated from God. Very important to note that Jesus, innocent as he was, was separated from the Father. Jesus was, number three, rejected from community with the Father so that your community with the Father, but also above that, can be restored. So the Father turns his face away from Jesus. He locks the door. He shuts the bolt, undeservingly so, so that you, the day when you come to salvation, or like my day, you're on your knees. And I was a charismatic church. It was of us flaw and lock. And I'm like, I don't know what all this stuff means. All I know is that day my life changed and I've never been the same. The Father turned his back on Jesus so that the day you call his name, he will never take his face away from you. So the first thing you must know, if you've sinned in this way, is that the Father, the Father's heart is to enter into your life, into community. I know this is a principle you have to apply prayerfully. If you've been married and maybe you sin this is just an example maybe you have to help friends out there and you had relations with another woman and your wife left and she's now married again 
that. Let me just say this. God will restore community. What that means looks different. He will restore firstly your community with him. And maybe the community he will restore to you is those in church. Maybe you'll never marry your wife again. She's married now to someone else. Scripture says she's free. All I'm saying is there's restoration. Maybe not the restoration you thought, but there will be restoration. Okay? It's a hard pull, pull to swallow because it's a great sin to commit. Right? We're being honest. Maybe you've been on the receiving end and someone left you and, 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 and he sinned or she sinned and you're here. And, and, and I'm sorry about that. It happens in this world. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really, it breaks my heart. Let me just say this. God will restore you. I don't know how it will look, but I know he's not, he's not going to turn his back to you. But allow him to restore you in the ways he sees fit to do it. Amen. So these are deep truths, but these are deep wounds. And so it's nice we have friends that likes to hang with us. And when stuff like this happens to us, they say, don't come here. I was okay this. If we really want to be friends for one another, we're going to have to get deeper. We're going to have to be there for one another. Okay. Very important. Let's just, let's stand up tonight and let's, Let's just look at this together. I know tonight I was long, I was long on the sin and short on the grace because I wanted just to sit on the topic long enough. But this is, this is the most important thing about tonight. That there's no one unsavable, unreachable for the grace of God. And there's no situation that God will not restore. Maybe you're going to have to leave what restoration means to you, to God. But tonight you just say, restore. Restore, Lord. Right? Jesus, the pure one, died for each impure or unrighteous sinner. He paid for it. All right? Naked and shameful, the perfect Jesus died to cover every shame in your place. And then Jesus was rejected from community with the Father so that your community may be restored. Let me just say this. A heart without Jesus will forever be a lonely heart, whether married or not. A heart without God will forever be lonely and forever be seeking. Tonight is not the type of evening where I like people to come to the front for their sins, all right? It might get awkward in this place. But what I want to tell you is, you know if you need to talk with someone, let us help you experience healing. The healing I experience where God washed me whiter than snow, restored my innocence. There's, there's nothing like it. And you can do it if you're married, if you, even you, if you and your wife's at a place where you feel some of his boundaries were broken and exclusivity were lost, come again to God and allow him to work with you as, as a married couple. If you are single, devote your eyes 
once again. Devote your heart once again to purity. Everything you do when it comes to purity, when you are single, you are already building into your marriage. Did you know that? You are already building pillars of strength in there. What I said when I was single, I said, God, teach me not to look at a woman lustfully when I'm single. And I dealt with that there. So I don't have to struggle with it as a married man. Sure, the enemy wants to tempt, but it's battles you can win. You take those victories into your marriage. So this means tonight, it's relationship month, but it's for each and every one. Amen. The Lord, I just want to thank you for these people here tonight. What a wonderful privilege, Lord that we can just smash what the world says to pieces in this place tonight, Lord. What Hollywood teaches us and all the junk we see and we laugh at it, Lord, and we make our home, Lord, around things that humiliate, Lord. The incredible thing that marital intimacy is, Lord, and we actually just repent that we make ourselves okay with it, Lord, because it's not. We lower our standards, Lord. We are happy with such average Marriages, Lord, such average purity, Lord, because that's how the world slowly but surely helps us to be lukewarm, but we just turn our hearts to you, Lord. And Lord, tonight we're not going to try harder in our flesh. We're not going to make 20 commitments and psych ourselves up. We're going to look Jesus in the eyes and say, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. The one who died in my place, the one who lived in my place. The pure one who was tempted in every way. Lord, I rest all my chips on you. Everything I have, I risk it all on you. Come and build into me. What an amazing God we serve. Worship you in this place, Lord. I want you, I want to give you a moment. I don't want to rush past this before we get to our cell phones and whatever waits for us. And I want you just to look up to the screen for a moment. And um, I want to give everyone here two minutes just to absorb and, 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 and invite Jesus into your life. Whichever one maybe jumps forth for you or all three of them. I just pray and say, thank you, Jesus. I just make a commitment tonight, Lord. I'm not going to hold on to that shame anymore. What happened to me or what I was involved. I just okay what you have to do if you, if you want this is very important if you want the sacrifice of Jesus to count for you you have to repent okay you have to repent you have to say I was wrong I sinned okay it's very important and then you have to turn away from that it's, it's at that moment when you get what Jesus has to give upon repentance you have to let go of what you are holding to receive what he has worship you in this place, Lord. God of relationships, fully interested, Lord. What a great God we serve. I make no excuses for preaching through this so directly, but I just acknowledge that it's hard to hear. Okay? I just acknowledge that uh, um, I understand it's not easy to work through, especially if you've been caught up here. But um, just know that the Son came to set us free and if we don't if we don't bring this battle to the enemy we're going to lose 
the calling on the marriages in this church. And we're not willing to do that. So we're taking the, we're taking the game to the enemy. Head on. Is that okay with you guys? Can we continue like this the rest of the month? Thank you.